Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast on this 19th of June, 2020. Um, Happy Juneteenth Day to everybody out there. Uh, If you're out there protesting, again, um, I salute you. Um, Be safe out there. This COVID is still out here. I mean, let's not pretend like COVID has gone away. It's not going away. You see cases in 23 different states rising. Um, I'm about to go over with, with today's headlines, some some of the, the impact that it's had on the sports world. Uh, so it's still out here. Um, I encourage any, every, everybody to absolutely, uh, if you're going to protest, if you're going to be out in the crowd, um, to absolutely uh, take all precautions necessary. Um, Again, I I cannot risk it. I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I still I'm listening to the doctors, listening to Dr. Fauci. I yeah, remember him? Remember Dr. Fauci? Remember him? <laughs> I know he's kind of been uh in hiding um for the last couple of weeks, but um I, I I'm not fucking with the government whatsoever for regards to 45 and and and, and uh, Vice President Pence in terms of what they're talking about. We know what their we know what their uh, objective objectives are. We know what their goals are. Uh, they don't care about black people or about um, trying to keep people healthy. Just want to get the economy going and just you know worrying about the money. I'm worrying about my health. I'm concerned about your health and your safety. Put your health and safety first. You can't work if you're dead. It's just that simple. You cannot work if you're dead. So. Uh, take all precautions out there. If you're out there protesting, it is making it's definitely making a difference. It's definitely we do we there is a sea change that's going on in this country, um, without question. But remember, you have to protect yourselves and, and uh, take all precautions. A lot to do on this podcast. Um, I have not been on a live podcast in a I I want to say March. Um, we did a podcast with Casey Price with the, with the um, talking about finances and how to deal with finances through COVID and, and what have you. I've been done. We've certainly done a lot of podcasts through Zoom that have been pre-recorded, but this is our first live podcast in a long time. Um, I'm definitely happy to, to be with you. I've had a lot of um, a lot on my mind, a lot to talk about, a lot of things we've certainly you know a lot has occurred to say the least since i've done a lot since i've done that live podcast back in march um so we'll be discussing some of those things um nba j cole no name we'll get to all that but we're going to begin with some opening headlines uh we talked about covid we had 28 clemson players test positive um today you have the Phillies, Blue Jays, and Giants shutting, closing down their spring spring training facilities due to Corona. You had 13 te- University of Texas football players yesterday, a couple of days ago, testing positive for Corona. So Corona is not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. The RF had NFL players Ezekiel Elliott uh, test positive last week, um, and there's again these are just like preliminary workouts. Uh, or these are just players who have tested in the NFL. In the NFL, they, in the NFL, they're doing their own thing. They're separate workouts. They're not doing a, 
excuse me, they're not doing official workouts. The, the facilities have not been open to players in the NFL. They've been open to coaches. They have not been open to players. And you already heard John Harbaugh talking about um, how can I run a practice with, with some of the, the guidelines that we have to follow. That's, that's it's almost impossible. So this thing is real. Um, this ideal that this virus has went away or that it's going away anytime soon is the most ridiculous, asinine thing I've ever heard. Again, do not listen to the government when it comes to the coronavirus. Um, this thing is not going anywhere anytime soon. And I would not feel confident until we get a vaccine. I mean, that's hard as to do it. Um, but people are out here living their life. People are out there. Again, I'm not knocking the protesters because they're, they're, they're pro, if you're protesting, you're fighting for something that is almost, frankly, worth dying for, to be honest with you. But anybody else, is really no excuse for anybody else not to be out and about. Um, you saw, and it really started, you know, um, during uh, Memorial Day weekend. You saw the Lake of the Ozarks. You saw what was going on in Florida. You're seeing, again, Florida, Arizona, Texas, some of these states uh, are having record numbers or having just numbers that are just skyrocketing. And once it starts hitting the South and Midwest, there's trouble. There's no question. There's absolute trouble. Um, again, I will not be confident about it until um, until we get a until we get a vaccine. Um, other headlines, of course, yesterday you had the, the union, Major League Baseball Players Union, with a proposed 70-game plan with a prorated salary, full, with fully prorated salary, um, as they go back and forth. And again, someone, I, I love baseball. I might be one of the few black people that do in my age group that even pretend like they care about baseball. But I love baseball. I grew up on baseball. I grew up watching baseball with my grandfather. Uh, and I've loved it ever since. But, but I'm going to be honest with you. I don't give a shit whether they come back or not. Okay. There's too much going on in the world. And there you have. And, and, and you know, you have to, if you're baseball, you have to understand. You have to be able to take the temperature in the room. Football is coming back. The NBA is coming back. The NHL is coming back. You have protests going on. You have COVID stuff, that stuff going on. No one cares about base. No one cares whether or not baseball comes back. There's a small percentage, a very small percentage of people who care actually give a shit about baseball in 2020. It just doesn't care. It is no longer the America's pastime. It hasn't been for the past decade. Now, again, I've been a defender of baseball as far as how long the games are. It's not to me. I've and I've made this analogy a million times. Is you have to treat baseball like cognac or wine. You have to treat it like a drink that you sip, not a drink uh, like a beer or Gatorade. That's how you got to treat baseball. So I've defended the fact that baseball, the games are too long. Most people do not defend that. But no one cares. If, if baseball doesn't come back, no one gives a shit. I mean, seriously, no one. So if it comes back, cool. If they don't, okay. Again, if you gun to my head, I think they probably will come back. I think the players probably will get, will probably not get, you know, the players want to play 114, 100 games. It's not going to happen. They'll, they'll, you know, I, I could see this, I could see the 70 games. The 70-game plan passing, 
and them getting their full, fully pro, prorated salary. Um, but they, I mean, both sides, again, there are no, there are no winners and losers. There are no villains and good guys here. They're both wrong. The owners and players are both greedy as hell. Uh, the owners even more so with not wanting to open their books and not show you how much they, how much the franchises, the franchises are worth. They don't want to show you that because they know that their franchises are making plus revenue. They know the franchises are making money hand over. That's why they don't want to open their books. But again, no one cares about that. You have, I mean, what, 40 million people out of jobs or even maybe a little less than that. You have, you know, COVID going around. You have this, you know, civil unrest and protest, you know, cops killing black, you know, black men at, at record numbers. In the grand scheme of life, no one gives a shit about baseball. And, but baseball, for whatever reason, cannot cannot uh, understand that. This is again the Real Deal podcast with with uh, Surreal Gerald Quinn. Um, thanks for the support in terms of the, our Wire episodes. We will be recording another episode of the Wire with Robert Sapp on Sunday. We'll be doing the season finale. Was the name of the episode is uh, Sentencing. I've enjoyed the hell out of doing out of recapping and looking back at the greatest television show of all time without question the wire is the greatest television show in the history of mankind um so stay tuned for that on sunday uh evening we do the shows about around five o'clock we don't do the live we don't do them live we pre-record them and put them out there on, on sunday night so i'll try to get that out to you around around Nine o'clock, ten o'clock, Sunday, uh, Sunday evening. So again, shout out and salute to Robert Sapp for helping me do those podcasts and being a guest for being a guest on those podcasts. He does a tremendous job at, at breaking down uh, the episodes. And um, listen, the reason why The Wire is the greatest show of all time because The Wire has remained relevant despite the fact that the last, despite the fact that it came out in two thousand two, two thousand twenty. Things that are happening going on right now as we speak, systemic racism, um, police brutality, all that stuff resonates uh, right uh, right now. And it's all connected with how with, with the story that The Wire was trying to tell over the course of uh, five seasons. So definitely looking forward to um, definitely looking forward to uh, doing that podcast. As far as the NBA goes, the NBA came out with their Orlando plan. Now, it is not a finalized plan as far as what the bubble is going to look like, but you get us, you, they're going to be in three different hotels. Uh, players are going to, once they get down there, will have to self isolate 48 hours, have to take uh, two, have to have two negative tests. Players cannot socialize with each other from different hotels, which I think will be a major challenge. But the big news, even beyond that, the big news is the difference of opinion uh, within the player ranks. You have the LeBron James group, which is the majority of players who want to play, versus the Kyrie Irving, Dwight Howard, Avery Bradley group. Now, keep this in mind. Players do, if you're a player, you don't have to play. Choose not to go to Orlando for whatever reason. If you choose not to go to Orlando, you will lose eight percent, eight and a half percent of your salary. 
um, if your team missing the first eight games. If you're on a team that gets, you know, deep into the playoffs, you miss 14 plus games, then you'll lose 15.1% of your salary. So the better the team, the chances, the more money that you will lose if you choose not to participate. If the season were canceled, the NBA would lose $1.3 billion. That's why the season is not going to be canceled. And also it would jeopardize the uh, following season, the 2021-2022 season when it would start in the salary cap. There's a lot of moving parts in regards to trying to get this season started, at least started, even if they can't finish it. Now, in regards to Kyrie Irving, when you look at this situation, there's it's, it's, it's a case of the message versus the messenger. I don't think Kyrie Irving is wrong in terms of wanting to sit out to um, focus on what's going on with, with the protests and with Systematic, systematic racism and dealing with issues that affect African Americans. Now, I don't agree with the fact that you can you can do two things at one time. You can play basketball and you can also focus on uh, fighting for the rights of African Americans and fighting against uh, systemic racism. You can do both things at one time. It's been proven over the course of history. I mean, you know, you know, John Carlos, Tommy Smith. Bill Russell, Muhammad Ali, Jesse Owens. I mean, Jesse Owens. Look what Jesse Owens did. <coughs> excuse me, in uh, Germany, in uh, in the Olympics. You know, winning those four gold medals down in Munich, Germany. So it's been done. Like you can do, we African Americans, we can walk and we can actually walk and shoot down. Okay. And I don't. I disagree with the with the idea that playing in the, playing these games would be a distraction to the cause. I don't agree with that that standpoint. But I understand where Kyrie Irving, where Dwight Howard, and to a lesser extent, where Avery Bradley is coming from. Now, Avery Bradley probably has the best of the ideas because he's talking about wanting and putting pressure on the NBA to do stuff, to, to push for things, for changes right now. In terms of black general, more black general managers, Black owners, things of that nature, positions within stuff that the NBA can affect now. And not just writing checks and donating to, you know, call donating to um, causes or charities that promote uh, that that promote um, social justice, you know, that they are promoting that are against social injustice, things of that nature. Now again, that money counts. I'm not you cannot dismiss the money that is donated, but it does not make it over time, it has not proven to make enough of a dent in terms of tearing down systematic racism. The problem is the messenger. Kyrie Irving is viewed as some, as a malcontent. It's viewed as someone who is not a leader or not an effective leader. He's viewed as someone who is only going to do things his own best interests. And the bottom line is Kyrie Irving, you know, it sounds great to say I have I will give it all up 
but you're not going to give it all up in terms of your salary. Kyrie Irving is going to get paid because Kyrie Irving is injured. He's not going to play for the rest of the season, this season in the playoffs. He's going to get his full salary. Okay, number one. Number two, I'm sure there are players out there who believe that if Kevin Durant were healthy and if Kyrie Irving were healthy and they had a chance to win a championship, that Kyrie Irving would not take their stance. I'm sure there are players who believe that. Now, is it? It's. I'm not big on I'm not big on hypotheticals, but this it is what it is. I mean, you you're dealing with someone who is not. This is not Kaepernick here. Like Kaepernick took a knee, he sacrificed his career millions of dollars, and he's been paying the price ever since. So he carried his the weight. His stance carries carry weight because he actually sacrificed playing in the NFL and, and sacrifice money out of his pocket. And again, Kaepernick, when Kaepernick, 2016, even, even Kaepernick at his best when he was leading the, the 49ers to the Super Bowl, he was never getting uh, endorsements like that. NFL players don't make a lot of money off the field like that. They don't. If you look at the top athletes to, in terms of the highest paid athletes, the majority of them are basketball players, soccer players, uh, basketball and soccer, and, and even to a lesser extent, baseball. And most of baseball's money come from their actual salaries, not endorsement money. And, ten, and, and a couple of tennis players as well. Federer is the highest paid athlete in the world. Uh, was the highest paid athlete in the world this year. So it's hard for people to separate Kyrie's message from Kyrie the person. Very difficult. I think that where Kyrie mistake made a mistake is because I can make a case that I and I believe this myself. I believe this myself that player that the NBA and that sports and their contact sports should not return out of the fear of catching COVID. And I just went over the, the numbers earlier in this episode about how many players are testing positive and, and the seasons haven't even begun yet. This is in, you know, this is preliminary workouts and and things of that nature, spring training facility, players testing, you know, this this are players who are not even around each other a lot, who are not even, the season hasn't even started. This is just, te- ran, this is players coming uh, with positive tests who are just being tested. Okay, they're not even all all together right now. So I can make a case that, I, and I believe this, that the NBA, the NHL, and uh, the NFL should not come back. That they actually care about player safety and the health of players. But as we all know, similar to the country, it's all about the, the dollar bill. It's all about the bottom line. They're willing, our country is willing to sacrifice lives, predominantly African-American lives, for the almighty dollar. That's just the way it is. With that being said, the message would have been stronger if Kyrie would have combined the idea of COVID and what's going on with the civil unrest, the protests, into one big package. Because if if I'm an athlete, I see what's going on, especially as a black man, and also with COVID, I'm like, I... I don't know if I would want to play basketball either, to be honest with you. Even if we had a chance to win a championship. 
two of those three players have a chance to win a championship. Avery Bradley and Dwight Howard both have opportunities to win a championship with the Lakers. The Lakers are one of one of the favorites to win the NBA championship this year, along with the Bucks and uh, Clippers. And I be- listen. I believe when I listen to Dwight Howard and Avery Bradley, I believe them. I believe them because they have they they are. They are second. They would be sacrificing a championship. They would be sacrificing money. Dwight Howard and Avery Bradley. I mean, nigga, Dwight Howard has made a ton of money over the course of his career. But again, he has a chance to win. A, he he has a chance to win a championship. and has a chance to get into the Hall of Fame. So he's he's sacrificing something. Avery Bradley has a chance to win a championship. He's sacrificing something. Kyrie, eh, I don't know. <laughs> Kyrie, Kyrie doesn't. Again, man, reputation means everything. That's what I tell, tell, try to tell students all the time dealing with education. Build up your reputation. Your reputation is everything. Because your reputation can bail you out of some situations that, that can, can bail you out of some compromising situations. Or can bury you if it's not at a certain level. So it'll be interesting to see... Um, Again, they're going to play basketball. They're going to play basketball. Um, the question is, how long is the season going to last? That's that's the question. That's the question in all these sports. I could college football will start. The NFL, the NFL no, college football will try to play. The NFL will try to play. How long will their, will their seasons last? That'll be the biggest. That'll be the biggest question. That that you can that 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 will be um, that has yet to be that will has yet to be answered. Can they finish the season? Um, in regard, so I watched the uh, Russell Simmons on the record special on HBO Max earlier this week. Um, listened to his interview with the Breakfast Club last week and this week. Listen to the interview with Salih, with Salih, with Salih Abrams. Hopefully, hopefully, I pronounced that right. With Salih Abrams, who was on the Breakfast Club this week, Drew Dixon was all three. Uh, Drew Dixon, Sheree Share, and Salih Abrams were all a part of that special um, on the record, which which talked about Russell Simmons, Russell Simmons allegedly um, sexually assaulting all three of those women. Um. And it, you know, there are very few things that, um, even in terms of documentaries, that kind of that get to me, that like touch, that like touch my soul. And I walk away with a completely different perspective. This one was one of them. Um, normally, I'm one who. Because I've seen the Me Too movement, though it's been effective in terms of just getting rid of some of the perverts and some of the the men who were just completely completely just dis, just disrespecting, shitting on women, and it's cleaned up that that part of it, and rightfully so as a whole. But it's also ruined some some careers when when all the evidence hasn't been brought to light. 
and just the accusation alone was enough to ruin a man's reputation, which is not fair. Like guilty before guilty before um in guilty uh guilty without even due process. Or guilty until proven innocent, that type of situation. I'm going to be honest with you. I watched this special. I listened to Russell M. Simmons' interview last week and this week. There's no question in my mind that that he did this. I mean, when you have to take nine lie detector tests, why do you have to take nine lie detector tests? Okay. So, uh, Abrams, Silai Abrams almost commit, attempted to commit suicide. And by the way, did not try to sue Russell Wood Simmons for one cent. It wasn't about the money from her perspective. It was not about the money. So from that standpoint, I'm like, I, <laughs> I mean, I, I believe the women. I mean, that's all there's to it. I believe, I believe the women. And, you know, you have Russell Simmons watch the interview on The Breakfast Club. And I'll deal with The Breakfast Club later in terms of what you know in terms of some of the heat that they took but watch the interview and i just wasn't convinced by russell simmons i i I got a sense of a guy who over the course of the interview was trying to not only convince the audience but he was trying to convince himself that he hadn't done anything wrong in 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 terms of uh, in terms of victim in terms of victimizing or sexually abusing these women and you know he had his lawyer with him, which is, you know, I had no problem with. Um, he he was not convincing, nowhere near convincing enough. If someone, if a woman is accusing me of rape, sexual assault, and I know I didn't do it, I'm going to go out of my way to deny them. I'm going to call them, yes, they're lying. Like, no, you're not going to shit on my reputation. I'm going to fight for my name to the end. I don't care how many lawyers I have to, hand, they have to hire. No, especially if I'm in a position I have Russell Simmons type money. I did not get the sense from that that he was fighting for his name with that interview. I didn't. I did not at all. The flip side... You listen to 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 um, to the to, to the ladies who spoke out in the in the special, who spoke out on who have spoken out on various interviews. To uh, Lai Abrams did an interview with just uh, Angela Yee, and it was difficult to watch. To be honest with you, it was very difficult to watch because all three of them basically. Had it, but it was a recurring theme with all three of them in, in regards to just not feeling like they had a voice. And we've seen, even with these, even with the protests, even with what's going on in society, um, black women feeling like they don't have a voice or they're feeling like they're being ignored by um, not, only, not, not only society, but by even by black men. 
in regards to um, what's going on. And not just sexual abuse, but just in terms of, you know, Breonna Taylor, the transgenders, transgenders who, are, who have been murdered. Um, and I pose the question, and again, I'll, I'll repeat the question again to all the black women out there. Do you feel protected? Do you, do you feel protected? And again, I understand it is a loaded question. I get it. But it to even think that a black woman does not feel protected does not rub me, rubs me the wrong way as a black man. It really does. And I'll get, I'll get to the J. Cole, no name, um, discussion uh, a little bit later in the program. Um, Again, in Olawan Tanya, I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. Olawan uh, Tanya Salu, rest in peace to her. A 19-year-old activist who was killed for speaking up, speaking her mind. Um, it, you know, it's something that uh, you know we talked about. I talked about earlier about the protests and about tearing down and breaking the walls of institutional racism. It cannot happen if black men and black women are not on the same page. And I'm not here to point fingers at either. I'm not here to say who's right, who's wrong. And I'll, 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 tell, I'll talk about that a little bit with the J. Cole No Name stuff. That does, that, like, that does nothing. That solves nothing. Point fingers at each other. We have to be somehow, some way on the same page if this movement is going to be effective. You cannot have uh, infighting and try to revolutionize and change the, the structure of this country, what this country is moving forward. This can't happen. So it, it definitely bothered me to my core to, to, get to see or to get a sense that black women don't feel protected or black women don't feel like they have a voice or that their voice is not being heard to a certain level. That's a problem. And I don't know, I don't have a solution to, I, like, I, don't, I don't know what the perfect solution is to fix that. I mean, I, mean, I, I would just say, listen, listen to black women, listen uh, to them express themselves, be empathetic, um, support them, and let's you know let's do this thing together. Um, because that's the only way anything is going to get done. There's, there's all there is to it. In regards to the J. Cole No Name situation, um, this is a situation. This is one of these rare situations where both people, both parties are right. Both parties are wrong. And, and let me explain to you why I feel that way. I'll take, um, I'll start with no, no name. So if you're no name, if you have a problem with the perception that you feel like rappers are not speaking out to advance the cause, I have no problem with that. 
let's not make it a Twitter conversation. Let's not make it a, a Twitter beef or a Twitter conversation. You got a problem with J. Cole. You got a problem with Kendrick. You got a problem with any other rapper. Can you reach out privately and have that conversation? Because once it goes, once it hits, once it gets to a social media, then all bets are off and all hell breaks loose. I have a problem with somebody in the workplace. I'm not tweeting, you know what, so and so sucks at their job. Or they're making my job harder. No, no, no. It's not going to be. It's not going to be effective. I'm going to reach out to that person personally and try to make the best of the situation. Try to figure some shit out. That's number one. Number two, no name, if you're no name, you have no idea what somebody else is doing behind the scenes. And we, as a society, make that mistake all the time. We want to call people, we, we want to be self-righteous, we want to call everybody else out. Even if you're doing something, no name is an activist, she's, she's out there doing the work pushing she's she's doing she's doing her thing without question even if you're in that position you have no idea what somebody's doing behind the scenes most of the work in terms of activism is not broadcast over twitter or instagram or facebook it is done behind the scenes j cole was protesting he was out there protesting that is an effective way to make moves, to get shit done, period. Now, the highest form to get shit done is obviously legislation and getting laws changed. We know this, getting bills passed. But the impact, you cannot um, minimize the impact of what protesting has done in terms of getting shit, in terms of getting shit done, or in terms of the impact it's had, now J Cole, now you want to say where where is no name right? Because I, I mentioned where she's wrong, where she's right. She's right from a standpoint of there's no excuse for. Um, there's no excuse for a lack of knowledge about what's going on um, in regards to today's, in regards to uh, society, in regards to what's going on in terms of the black, in terms of what we're dealing with as African-Americans. No excuse to have, there's no excuse to have a lack of knowledge in terms of that. So I'm, I, it is not her job to educate J. Cole on that. J. Cole can read a book. J. Cole can Google some shit. J. Cole can ask some questions. Which leads me to J. Cole. If you're J. Cole, I respect J. Cole as a as a as an MC. I think he's one of the best. He's been top three, top five MC over the last decade without question. If you're J. Cole, pick up a fucking book. Can't sit up here and and I please appreciate the honesty. I'm a thinker. I don't I don't read. I'm a thinker. Cool. You can be a thinker. There's nothing wrong with thinking. Nothing wrong with it. It's, it's, it's a great thing. Great thing to do is to think through what you're trying to say, what you're trying to communicate. 
You gotta pick pick up a fucking book. It's not hard. And again, me myself, I just put in an order for for a couple of books on on reconstruction and, and trying to educate myself on on just how on why we're at where we're at. You don't understand history. History will repeat itself. Period. Period. Reading a book right now about Frederick Douglass, one of his bi- uh, biographies is called uh, "Yes." There's a bi- his second biography. Like you got, like you can't sit up here and, and as a black man and, and put that message out there. I I don't read. Like, come on, man. Like you, that shit just doesn't fly in 2020. It doesn't. It makes no sense. It makes zero sense not to be not to read. You can be a reader and a thinker. To be both. Um, as far as the, the songs, I've listened to both songs. I'm not even going to get into the, the hip-hop aspect of it in terms of who won the battle from that standpoint. I don't give a shit about the songs as far as which one is the best one. That shit doesn't matter to me from a standpoint of what we are trying to accomplish as African-Americans. We need to get on the same page, man and woman, together, not man, not black man versus black woman. That shit's not going to work in the long run. So you can sit up here and say J. Cole, J. Cole won the battle or no name won the battle from the standpoint of the, the records that they dropped. You know what? We're fucking losing the war as African-Americans, if that's the case. If black men and black women are going to come at each other, then we're going to lose the motherfucking war. Okay? Period. So again, this is a situation where both people were, were right and both people were wrong. But to be honest with you, it was more there was more wrong than there was right in this situation. There's no question about it. Um, so I guess that could have been, that could have went under Rillo's rant. I got I got one last rant before I wrap up the program. Um, so. Kendrick Perkins came out with a tweet about LeBron James, saying LeBron James is the, you know, the greatest athlete in NBA history. You had, and then you had, surprisingly, and I was shocked, Bill Russell retorted, responded to that tweet with a clip of him doing a high jump and a clip of him running, you know, down the floor in a game uh, showing his athleticism, getting up and down the floor, at, you know, basically at, basically at the speed of light. Um, Bill, Bill Russell was a great athlete. There's no question about it. Now, Will Chamberlain probably was the best athlete in the history of the NBA. Will, Will Chamberlain could have been a professional volleyball player. Will Chamberlain could have been a professional track and field star. There's no question about it. He just so happened that he was from – he played in Philadelphia, which was a basketball – is a basketball haven. So it's like, yeah, yo, you got to play basketball. Will Chamberlain. Was a could have been a world class track and field man. There's no long jump, high. He could have did it. Everything sprinter. Go go watch some Will Chamberlain on YouTube and some of the block shots and how like he's the best athlete in NBA history. But LeBron is certainly in the conversation. But this is not about the conversation of who's the best athlete in NBA history. This is about Bill Russell finally saying 
put some motherfucking respect on my name. When we talk about list of greatest players of all time, Bill Russell's name, for whatever reason, is not mentioned. You hear Michael Jordan, you hear LeBron, you'll even hear Kobe before you hear Bill Russell. You'll hear Magic, Bird, Tim Duncan, and what have you. You don't hear Bill Russell. For whatever fucking reason, I can't, can't even conceive why Bill Russell is, is Bill Russell at worst is the second greatest player of all time. I can make a case that Bill Russell is the greatest player of all time. Okay? He's the best player on a team that won eight straight championships and won 11 championships. The object to play in basketball is to win the game. And he guarded, and he guarded and held Bill, Will Chamberlain in check. Go check Bill Russell's, Will Chamberlain's numbers against other, the rest of the league versus his numbers versus Bill Russell. Okay? But putting that aside, I was happy that Bill Russell finally stood up for himself in regards to this debate uh, in regards to being acknowledged of that of the icon that he is. Bill Russell gets acknowledged as being one of the greatest winners of all time. He is the greatest winner. So that's not even a compliment to say that because it's a fact. Okay? That's not a compliment to say that Bill Russell is the greatest winner of all time. It is a fact. Even if you didn't acknowledge it, it still would be a fact. Okay? He does not get the respect, nowhere near the respect, from a basketball playing standpoint that he, that his resume warrants. And I think if you're Bill Russell, it's probably got to a point where I'm, I'm tired of this shit. Like, yo, put some motherfucking respect on my name. Like when Marlo Stanfield, my name is my name. So I was happy to see that he stood up for himself. And then, of course, you know, you had, listen, Kendrick Perkins did a little backtracking saying, I just got to check about to go, and, you know, which is fine. And paying respects, you know, paying his respects, even though he doesn't probably doesn't believe that. He still probably believes that LeBron's the best athlete, which is his, his opinion, his right, his opinion. I have no problem with that. But it's just, to me, this was about Bill Russell finally standing up for himself in, in regards to his place in basketball history. history. I'm going to wrap up the program with this. Again, uh, I'm happy to be back with you live, doing a live program, a live um, live on YouTube. Again, again this, this broadcast will be um, sent out to Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, um, before the night, certainly before the night is over, um, without question. So I'm happy to be back with you from that standpoint. And we have a number of podcasts coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, today is a very, very difficult day for me personally. Uh, it marks the fifth, uh, anniversary, fifth anniversary of the death of a person who helped shape me as a human being. Um, as just, you know, just who is just, I, I can't even, it's hard for me to even put into words the impact that this particular person had on my life. And of course, I'm talking about my uncle, uh, Charles W. Quinn II, who passed away on this day in 2015. Um, I remember the last phone call conversation I had with him. It was during the NBA Finals. We were talking about Golden State and Cleveland. And um, it was probably the 15th. 
of June. So it was that, I believe it was that Monday, to be honest. It was, yeah, it was on a Monday. That was the last time I talked to him. Um, and he died on a Friday. And I remember it because I was, um, I was with the high school for graduation practice. And I was going to be, I was going to be part of the graduation the next day, the next day for, that was going to be our first high school graduating class, um, for, uh, for, uh, E.L. Haynes. But, um, I, of course I didn't make it to that graduation that, that Saturday, finding out that he had passed away on the Friday and, uh, um, it was in complete shock. It was a unexpected death. It was not, it was, yeah, it was nothing that anybody saw coming. Um, again, someone, you know, if you, if you meet somebody that impacts your life, uh, to the point to where five years after they passed away, you're still thinking about them, you're still talking about them, you can just consider yourself blessed and can consider yourself lucky. Those people are few and far between. And he was absolutely a one of a kind. I think about some of the conversations that we would have been having today considering what's going on in our country. I, I, there's no question that those conversations would have would have been some heavy conversations. They would have been informative. They would have been um, some necessary conversations to have. But I uh, just want to pay my respects uh, to his memory, uh, his, you know, and his impact on my life. So we're going to wrap up the program on that. Uh, as always, this is the Real Deal Podcast, telling it like it is with no apologies. I will see you next time. Bye.